Welcome to Tea Time with Shaylee and Amber, the podcast where we talk about all the shit that your horse wants you to know and what you can do about it. Amber is a horse trainer and a personal results coach, certified in Theta and Semitic Breathwork. Shaylee is an animal communicator who also teaches communication. Both knowledge seekers with the intention of sharing that knowledge and hoping that we can encourage the listeners to do the same. Episode 11, Safe Space. Join us as we talk about holding space for ourselves, understanding our energetic capacity, and when to say no. The importance of identifying your boundaries, breaking the bonds that keep you from using your voice. Boundaries don't have to be harsh. Loving yourself and tending to your energy is not selfish. So excited to share this one with you. And if you have not joined our membership yet, check it out. We will throw the link in the show notes. All right, let's go. Welcome back to our podcast. We are very excited to have you listening. If you missed last podcast, it was our 10th episode. Um, We talked about um, generational inheritance or trauma, but sometimes we don't always like the word trauma. It's not always trauma, so it's inheritance. And we told some animal communication stories, which were super interesting and like the responsibilities that like some horses and dogs felt based on their ancestral downloads. And we talked a little bit about um, like destiny and soul contracts and just kind of fun stuff like that. So if that sounds interesting to you, hit up our last episode. Today, we are kind of going the route of um, self-care, I guess I want to say because I've been talking with Amber lately about how kind of drained I've been. And we were supposed to record this podcast yesterday, but I reached out to her and told her that I didn't have the energetic capacity to let words flow through my mouth and my brain. So we (laughs) decided to record it today. Um, And it just got us thinking about how people pleasing and the ability to say no and to just know where you are in your energy can be such a hard thing and why it's so important to surround yourself with people like when I reached out to Amber I knew like 100% without a doubt that I could tell her like I literally just don't have the energy for this and that would be enough for her to be like okay that's fine but in day-to-day life when it comes to like our horses and us sometimes it can be hard to just tell people, Hey, I don't have the energy for this. You know, you, you almost feel like you have to have like a big excuse to say no to something. And that is what I feel like is deep rooted in people pleasing, which Amber and I are deeply connected to (laughs) and have been learning to set boundaries and, um, protect our energy. And just knowing that, um, like it is okay to know where you're at. And if you don't have energy to share, then don't do it. And it's perfectly fine. And it's not rude. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that stuff really starts like everything else, like right from the beginning, you know, when you're a little kid and then going into school, it's like, everything is about do X, Y, Z. So your teacher's happy. So your parents don't get mad. So there's always these expect expectations like put on from the get-go and rarely, and this is what hangs me up in the parenting scene. Um, I feel like I have it down really good with the horses 
but it's like that line of me understanding this and me going, how do I honor when my kids don't want to do something or don't feel a way about something, but then knowing like I have to make them do it. Um, it's crazy. And I think I can't even remember. Oh, I posted someone in a, in a group that's local here posted that their son likes to stomp his feet when he walks around, like he stomps everywhere he goes. And he's like little, he's in like first grade, I think. And the teacher was complaining to her saying like, she really needed to deal with this. Like it was this major issue. And while she said she takes him to the park, she's like, there's all these things that she, she, he does it in her house. He does it in her apartment. And apparently they have neighbors that are starting to complain. And um, she's even gone to the extent of putting like hampers and stuff up the hallway um, (laughs) to slow him down. And in my first response was like, oh my gosh, like this world that we live in is so ridiculous because this little kid wants to fucking stomp his feet. Like let him stomp his feet. Like, why do we care? Now I do understand teaching empathy, right? You live in an apartment. You can't be pounding around. Your neighbors are trying to sleep. But like, if the little kid wants to stomp around at school, like, why are the teachers acting like it's this, like, you know, so I feel like for the kid being told, don't stomp your feet at school. What is the reasoning behind that? You know what I mean? Like it bothers your teacher. It bothers, you know, it's distracting. It's so like right from the get go, there's all of this stuff like offloaded and downloaded into your little tiny child brain that is like absorbing every bit of information ever up until you're like seven. Cause you're just living in that theta brain, which is like, you know, it just sucks. <laughs> yeah, it definitely does. It's, it's hard to, to like, yeah, to nurture how you feel, but also you have to kind of like fit into society. And as you know, I'm going in like deep diving into the generational stuff that you have me hooked on right now. <laughs> and I, <laughs> it's like changing my sessions. I had a session with someone the other day and, and she was like, wow, you've really evolved since the first time I talked to you. And I'm like, I know it's this freaking podcast and like all these things that I'm diving into now that are like expanding my horizons. But, um, I was literally just thinking, so like with the generational stuff and how I grew up and my mom, love her dearly, does not have a lot of empathy for others. And the more that I, especially animals, and the more that I look into that, the more I'm like, oh, wow, it's because of the way she was raised and like her parents had zero empathy. Like I still remember a story of her telling me that she couldn't really have animals uh, like in her life because her dad kicked their dog over the fence and they never saw it again. And she, that's like her one memory of like a childhood animal. And from that, like doing this generational stuff and just kind of deep diving, instead of being mad at my mom for giving away my animals as a kid or for the way she didn't have empathy. Now I'm like, well, it makes so much sense why you didn't have empathy because your parents were like that. And when I was growing up, I just remember like, having these knee-jerk reactions to things and like getting angry for like you know my horse wiggling in the cross ties or whatever and I'd be like why are you doing that like why can't you just stand still and now I realize that as I as I'm looking back I'm like I had to develop this empathy because I didn't really grow up seeing a solid example of that and I think that that's why a lot of us can tend to be like people pleasers or have a problem 
with saying no and setting those like boundaries and regulating that because like we just don't grow up with a lot of empathy it's like hard for I shouldn't say all parents but at least in my childhood like my dad was a little bit different he was um he had a lot of empathy for people but um yeah it's just kind of interesting like looking back on that now and seeing like oh this is why I like felt like I had a short temper as a kid it's not that I like was a bitch (laughs) (laughs) yeah and um and so same but there I I think more people than than not at least for like these two generate up and to probably at the bottom of where you are is that that's how most people were raised, right? Like there wasn't this like conscious parenting thing going on. Um, and I, I believe that's why the parallels with horse training is the way it is because that's how we were parented. So why would it be any different? And, um, and it was the same thing. Like I was raised with a lot of, like, you have to be good for your mom. My mom was a single mom. So it was like, you have to be good. And so all of what my brain calculated when I was little was, every um buddy around me the important people around me their experience is going to be um really built out around like my behavior or my opinion or how i feel and if i'm you know not doing the right thing then people that i love are going to suffer and so it developed into this very like you know and it's an attachment thing right it's the um fear of you know fear of losing them right so it's anxious attachment and so then it turns and it meshes into like and then the people pleasing is born um and then it goes into all your relationships and those type of people i say those type of people being one um will attract people that are have narcissistic tendencies and that you know have more of an avoidant attachment style and there's various reasons why they're drawn together um but yeah, it's pretty wild when you start diving into it and you start understanding. And then you think about like how you talk to your horse, right? Like you were saying your horse would wiggle and then you would get frustrated. Um, listening to the conversations that you're having with your horse and understanding that this is the internal dialogue that is probably going on in your head for yourself. So if there's a lot of frustration and a lot of like, ah, ah, it's probably what you're doing to yourself when you feel like you've made a mistake or you feel like, you know, um, things aren't working out the way they need to, like, how are you actually talking to yourself and nurturing yourself through that stuff? Um, cause that's really where you need to start. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> That is so true. And as a teenager, I feel like I was so hard on myself and like would kind of tell myself like you have to be a leader and you have to, um, yeah, have a good work ethic and do this and do that. And it's just so funny how in my adulthood, I have become severely allergic to answering my phone. Like I do, I don't know what it is, but I cannot answer my phone. And it is like such a big boundary for me. And I think it's important too, for us to, as individuals to like identify boundaries, because for the longest time, I just thought that I like, I would just call it like anxiety, or I would just say like, oh, I'm overwhelmed or whatever. And I, I made up all these things around it until I realized like, oh, well, this is my personal number. And even though I use it as my business number to call clients, 
I don't typically give it out to people. So like, it's okay for me not to want someone to constantly reach out to me or, or like I was telling you right before this call that I had someone overriding my, um, my personal, like when you silence your phone, I had my phone silenced for everything and they overrode that and called me like three or four times today. And that happens to me all the time. And it's just crazy to me how I've had to do so much inner work on being like, Shaylee, it's okay not to answer the phone. It's okay that you don't want to call people back. You can redirect people to your email. And then if it takes you a week or two to get back to them on email, like you're going to be fine. Like that's probably, that's another thing too, is like having the customer is always right. And also having like the timely customer service and while I do agree with that and appreciate great customer service, like in my own life, especially with like mainstream stuff, I've had to really like coach myself and being like, you are not a typical business and it is okay for you to like, know that you don't have the energetic capacity to respond to emails right now. And sometimes I don't always know how to handle when someone messages me back like three or four times in a row, like within a couple of days. And I'm like, Oh God, like a boundary's being crossed, but I don't know how to accept it and it's just funny how saying no is such like a hard thing to do yeah um and it's it's such an important skill to learn and if you're not taught it at a young age it's like teach yourself now (laughs) and like practice Mm -hmm. what it sounds like and what it feels like and if if you even rehearse in your head like I was saying before we started recording um I had done a shot of work little week-long shadow work workshop in like October. And there was a couple of people that were really were wanting to work on establishing boundaries and feeling good about them. And even to express a boundary to the group, you know, not even in the situation, it was really hard for people to even let it come out of their mouth. Like their entire body was like, ah, you know, and so it's really about training the nervous system to feel okay with setting the boundary. And then sometimes it actually takes practice. It's like you're rewiring like these entire neural pathways, these entire stories in your body about what it is to say no. And I feel like the more important thing that I talk about constantly, especially with horse training, is that how you feel about what you're asking really is what people are going to pick up on. So if you're saying, no, I don't want to do that because you're anxious about it, you're angry about it, you're resentful, you're annoyed, you're whatever, um, then most of the time it's because you've allowed that boundary to be crossed enough where that has built up and it comes out that way. But if you can get to a place where you check in with yourself when someone says, hey, can you do X, Y, Z? And you're like, hold on, let me think about that for a minute, honoring yourself, your time and how you feel. And if it's a no, then you just say it then that's actually not going to work for me from a place of self-respect versus saying yes, saying yes, saying yes. So many times. And eventually you're like, Oh, I keep saying yes. And I don't want to do this. And then all of a sudden what you can convey to them is going to be more like anxious and sort of like annoyed. And they're going to be like, geez, okay, sorry. You know, like, and it's going to be received completely different. You know, even the feeling of worthiness around having your needs met, um, can affect people's response to it. It's so interesting. Yeah, that is so interesting. And I've gotten to the point in the past where like, I just wouldn't want the confrontation. And so I would just block people. on my phone, <laughs> <laughs> like, Just not knowing how to handle it at all. 
And it just gives me so much empathy for like the horses who shut down because they're essentially pushing the block button. They're like, I don't know what else to freaking do. Like, I don't know. I've bucked, I've sidestepped, I've done this, I've done that, and I don't know what else I can do. So I'm just going to push the block button and hope that it doesn't work and not give you any access to like the way that I'm feeling, which I did talk to a horse earlier today that um, she kind of said that where she was like being taken advantage of in the past and that she, I just instantly connected with her and I was like, this is the saddest horse I've talked to in a long time. And I could feel that it was so old and it just felt to me like her energy had just been taken advantage of over and over again. And she lost the joy in, in working with people. And that's where I struggle too, to guide people because sometimes I don't always know what the right answer is to bring that joy back when a horse has been so shut down that they don't know the answer to. Like, how would you as a trainer, like how do you typically help them bring that joy back? I think um, usually when I get horses in that are super shut down, I think it goes straight to just sharing space with them um and which is the most uncomfortable thing for people to typically do <laughs> um especially i guess if it's a new horse to them and and they don't know why the horses come to them like that um but i feel like sometimes you have to be prepared <laughs> when you do that because when a horse gets to the place when it's like so severely shut down Sometimes once you make it safe enough for them to express what they have not been expressing for a long time, um, there is a little bit of like frustration and a little bit of like a fight that wanted to come through that was shut down. Um, and it comes out, expresses itself in ways that look aggressive, which then scare people and then causes them to punish them and then reshut them down. <laughs> so it's like a tricky land, but I, I don't, I can honestly look back at how many horses I've had in training and there's only probably been like two or three, like really, really severe ones that I was like, I can't find him. And it took a long time to find. And then when we did find, there was a lot of built up stuff that kind of came out. But for the most part, I think most horses, like if you spend the time with them, just letting them know that you're aware of how they feel and that, um, and that you're going to listen, they start to pick up on the shift. I think the most important thing is that people not have an agenda when they're doing this, which is hard because you're like, I want you to be happy and I want to unshut you down. <laughs> and then it's like, but that's your agenda. So leave me alone. <laughs> um, but it's like the same thing. I always invite people to think about like themselves, you know, like, what do you need from a friend? when you're just feeling like overwhelmed, like you just don't want to talk about it. You're just, you know, sometimes what you need is someone just to sit with you. You know what I mean? Not to solve your problems, not to fix you. Cause that implies there's a level of like brokenness about you. You know what I mean? Where it's like, no, this is just where I'm at right now. Um, and sometimes just sharing the space and creating a safe enough space can help start to like melt some of that stuff. Um, so I think it's like, just being in the present, right? And then the joy comes after that. <laughs> I think ladder of believability to what you can get to, right? Like when you're manifesting, thinking about, I can't go from this shutdown place to joy, knowing that there's probably gonna be a process, there's gonna be steps and you know, you're know you just here for it and making the commitment to be there for it for your horse. 
so that they don't feel that like urgency around it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And um, that just makes me think about like when you said like the brokenness, because I do have horses who will say like, well, you used to visualize me as like big and strong, but now that you have noticed this issue in my body or you're learning more, it's all you can see. And they, and you do focus on the brokenness aspect of it. And I see this a lot with foot rehab, actually, where um, horses will have a really hard time, like they won't want to pick up one foot versus the other. And sometimes it literally is that energetic shift of like the person goes from grooming them, scratching them, whatever, to like significantly analyzing the foot. And I have to kind of tell the horse that because sometimes they don't like, sometimes they don't understand that our emotions are well-meaning. So like when we analyze a foot and we're like, oh man, this foot is like fucked. Like we got to do X, Y, and Z. And you're really studying it. All they feel is that energy of like, okay, something is not right here. And you're holding up my foot, which one is taking away their ability to run. Right. So we're holding up a freaking foot on a flight animal. And two, you have such intensity when you're studying the foot and trying to figure it out that like farrier issues, a lot of times are literally that like, so they can be, and are oftentimes like actual physical pain in the foot, but it's usually coupled with this intense energy going from like, Oh, I'm just scratching you to now I'm like seriously focused on this thing. And horses will say that with grooming too, where there is a significant energy shift that happens in humans when you're just scratching their withers and videoing them, like, you know, putting their lip out and you're like, hey, hey, this is so fun. This is so cool. And then all of a sudden everything stiffens when you put a brush in your hand. There's not, you know, like things change, your intention changes and like you start looking for, um, you know, tension in the body or do they not like it or they're moving away or whatever. Um, and half of that is like our weird ass stiff energy that and I find myself doing it all the time where like I'm, you know, brushing my horse and then I am, then I'm picking at something on his body and I'm like analyzing his body. And, um, a friend of mine is like obsessed with picking at her horses and I'll like go out there sometimes and we're like loving on them. They're so cute. And then you just see her like nitpicking every little thing. And I'm like, stop doing that, man. Like he doesn't want to be analyzed right now. He's just trying to hang out with us. But like us as humans, it's kind of funny. Like we are so analytical at times. And I think it's important to realize that like sometimes that is crossing their energetic boundaries. Like when we analyze them, they're kind of like, um, it reminds me of this horse I talked to the other day that told it, told this person to quit watching him on the camera. Oh my God. <laughs> he, he, knows? Like, he knows he knew I've had, I've had a couple of horses. It's not very often. And where they will say, there's a camera above me and I can feel you watching me. It's like crossing a boundary over here. And um, I think that's just like so funny how they do kind of have those little energetic boundaries. <laughs> oh, I think that when I think about my horse, um, the one I sent off to training and the one that... Um, I don't even know if you could shut him down. Um, cause he, he's more, I, I, he would be a horse that if had stayed in that situation, maybe would have turned into like a dangerous horse that, you know, ended up being pushed aside because I feel like he's one of those horses that just, he won't shut down. He's too expressive. There's no freaking way he'd fight you to the end before. 
And I feel like it's interesting because the correlation between that horse and my children, (laughs) I actually had this thought last night because the conscious parenting thing has been at the forefront of my mind. And, um, and I feel like it's the same thing, right? It's in any relationship. It's just, you're going to have stronger areas, right? So my friends, super easy because I know that the circle of friends that I have understand that and would only want me to honor how I feel and do the same, right? So they would want to know my, what the boundary was, right? Cause that's safety in the entire relationship. Same thing for me with the horses. I feel like I have that down really well, but with my kids, I get a little conflicted and I was just thinking about like how much I like, I'm, I'm super patient, hundred percent, super patient. I'll say things several different ways. And, um, and I'm really calm when I do it, but when I hit the like sixth or seventh time and the kid hasn't done the thing, like, I'm like, like it just comes like out of me. And I'm like, you know what, you know, and in my head, I'm like, God, that's so wrong. But then I like, think about what it led me up to. I don't ever just yell. I'm not like a yeller right off the bat, but I'll yell. And I feel like then they're like, Oh, uh." and I looked at last night. I was like, how unhealthy that I'm sitting here like yelling and like, but what happens is with the energy behind it, even though I get loud, the energy behind it is not necessarily always like super angry. It's just like, Oh my God. And, and they giggle off and then they go do the thing. And I'm like, I look at them and my little one is such a pusher up against her of boundaries of everything. He calls me out on stuff like the little one, the little one, the big one too, but definitely the little one where I'll say something, you know, and it's something that I say to him all the time. And I'm like teaching him this stuff. Right. And then I'll say something to him like, oh, we were talking about complaining and he was complaining. He was cold. We were walking up to my parents' house. We were going to go eat. He was cold. He's cold. Oh my gosh. I'm so cold. I don't like it. I'm well. And I was like, you don't have a jacket on. I told you to go get a jacket. We can stop now. And my thing was like, solve the issue. Like, don't just complain about it. Like solve it. You know what I mean? Do something about it. And, you know, and so I, it was like this whole conversation we had all the way up there. And then we were walking on the way down and, um, and I had said, it's cold out because it was like an hour later and it was cold and I said it twice because I like like shivering and he's like are you complaining and I was like no because I'm wearing a jacket and I'm doing everything I can (laughs) I'm not just endlessly (laughs) complaining like I'm just stating a fact and so then the next night we would go to walk up and he's like I'm gonna state a fact right now and the fact is that it's cold I was like like, (laughs) the children that I was given are like my horse, like no matter how many mistakes I feel like I'm making, like I had the realization last night that I'm probably not even going to be able to fuck them up because if they were going to be people pleasers (laughs) by now, they would just be like, you know what I mean? Like, and so the pushback that I'm getting is in fact, actually probably due to the work that I've done (laughs) on myself. It's just really hard. But it was exactly last night where I was like, oh God, I see it. Like you're neither one of you are going to be people pleasers like ever. Like they know what they want. You know, he's a little sassy in his delivery. So we're working on that. Like, can we be kinder with the delivery versus no, that's ridiculous. (laughs) Um, But like that core thing that they have is I was like, oh my gosh, like I see how my entire line going back to the conversation we had last week 
have been people pleasers, you know, of women and just in family in general, even my um, uncles, my mom's brothers were like that. And, um, and I see how like me doing that work has shifted things for my kids, even though it makes my life harder. That was just like a whole ass long rant about that, but it was this thing that happened to me last night. And I was like, Oh, you're just like my horse. So, you know, I think the value in doing the work for yourself it definitely trickles over to everything around you. And even when you were saying earlier about, oh yeah, before I wouldn't want to have a conversation, I would just mute or um, block. And, but then what you know about that, right, is whatever episode we did with the manifesting stuff, it's, well, if that piece of you still needs to be brought to the surface to be healed and that lesson still needs to be learned and that virtue from it still needs to be claimed like it'll it'll just pop up everywhere so it's better to not hide from it and just be like I'm just gonna have this really annoyingly uncomfortable hard conversation knowing that the likelihood of it popping up again is probably less if I just do it now Yeah, that's the hard part too, as a people pleaser. And I kind of feel like, so like for equine professionals in general, um, it can be difficult to turn away. I shouldn't even say turn away a client, but like, it can be difficult to safeguard your energy because I find myself justifying giving my energy to someone that doesn't align to me because I'm like, well, it's not the horse's fault. And like, I should do this for the horse. And then that's when I have a session that makes me feel really shitty or I, which doesn't happen often, by the way, people. Um, but sometimes I do have those sessions where I override my system. Cause I'm like, well, it's not the horse's fault, but then I have to just know that, like, I think it's so hard to safeguard your energy in the horse world because you do really like most of us, especially equine professional, like body workers and trainers and stuff like you really don't you want what's best for the horse you also like need to have clients right because you're like doing this as a profession and when I first started out I just remember my sister-in-law telling me that it's like a feast or famine business and I need to make sure that I like give my attention to everybody because I don't know when my clients will run out and it was so interesting how I had so much like push back to that thought. Like, I was like, I just don't believe that. Like, I feel like I can be with the aligned people and not just have anyone and everyone. But I took that to heart in the beginning and was giving my energy to everyone. And it, it kind of, it was a little bit of a blessing in disguise because it led me to understand what my boundaries were and what type of people I wanted to attract into my life. And knowing that like, that helping everyone as a people pleaser is not the answer either because if you're just giving your energy to anyone and everyone yet especially as a body worker knowing I was actually listening to an Alexa Linton podcast the other day um where she was like as a body worker like sometimes I don't even know if I'm actually helping the horse because you do all of this stuff and then nothing changes with the actual person or the environment or the nutrition or whatever. And am I even helping? And that's how I was starting to feel as a communicator a couple of years ago when I was getting really burnt out is I was giving my energy to all these people that were hearing the information and then they weren't making any of the changes. And that was a little bit of like a blessing in disguise where I was like, okay, I need to be more in line with the people who want to hear them and who want to make the changes so that we can move forward as a collective versus just feeling like I'm giving away my time and energy 
And it's not selfish of me to feel that way. Like it's not selfish of me to select my clients because it's not personal. It's just that I need to be able to channel those people who are of the greatest good and aligned with my energy. And I've had literally, I'm saying it now because you said we have to say it out loud. It is a not personal if I do not want to work with somebody. It's just that I have to do what feels aligned with my energy. And that is like a boundary that I'm like, 2023, this is my mantra. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like because if you do continue to cross that boundary, you just get resentful. And then what the way you're showing up for people, even if you did show up for everyone, it wouldn't be what they wanted. You know what I mean? It would be this like murky, you know, um, energy around whatever service you're providing. And when I think about the diving into Gabor's work about like the body says no, So if you don't say no, your body will, right? So if you pay attention to in those moments when you're being asked to do something and, um, and you know, it's a no, like I always pause and kind of check in with my body. And the way I know it's a no is if my body will kind of contract. And if it's a yes, then I can, I feel like an openness, like that's how I sort of like muscle test or kind of check in. And but just knowing that that there there's everyone has that right like everyone has that you just have to tap into what yours is and i'm like that's literally every time that energy bubbles up there i'm like mm, i don't want that that energy that's coming up is for you to use to like vocalize your boundary if you keep stuffing it back down i think that's what turns in it'll shift into resentment and then you're frustrated and then you're annoyed and then it has to come out in like a big way because there's so much of it. So I, I even look at, you know, they talk about trigger stacking. I look at like things like that as the same thing, like accumulates, you know, and if you don't just say it right off the bat, you're either going to blurt it out and it's going to be like this messy ass conversation or her statement that gets made, or you're going to get sick. You know, if something in your body is going to start to move into dysfunction because you're holding all of this stuff. Um, and so many people do that. <laughs> because the people pleasing, you don't want to be rude. So you just keep stuffing it and your body's like, (laughs) that actually happens to me all the time. And that's what I'm trying to change is that I get physically sick. Like I literally get the flu. I like not the contagious flu, but I literally, I get body aches, a fever, chills, all of that. If I just keep like giving and giving and I don't identify like where the issue is or Lockie calls it a leaky ship. And I hate that term because the word leaky is so gross to me. Um, but it has like resonated with me. And like, I'm like, I am not going to have a leaky ship. Damn it. Like this is not going to be a thing for me. And so it has actually helped me like figure out, okay, where's this freaking nasty little leak. And I need to fix this before I get the fake flu because yeah, that totally will. I, I actually, it's interesting because I feel that happening to me this week. Like I didn't have the energy to talk yesterday and like today, um, I was supposed to do a bunch of things and I like, haven't done them. Cause I just got done with my sessions and I can feel my, and it's not even personal to the clients. It's just like, I book my sessions far ahead too. And I don't always know the energy that the session is going to take from me. You know what I mean? Like these sessions were books weeks in advance and it's not like it's the people that are draining me. I kind of want to make that clear because it's usually not the people. It's just like, 
the energy of it all and like what the message is and all of that. Like, it's not like I'm getting clients who I'm not a lot, like who are an issue. That's not the case, but I feel fortunate now that I have kind of created that space where if I message a client and I'm like, Hey, I really don't have the energy. They're like, that's okay. We can reschedule. And it's important as like equine professionals to know when we feel that way and to reschedule, especially body workers, because sometimes I will have horses that will say like, my body worker is like taking energy from me. Like I felt very wiggly today or I felt unsettled because I feel them taking energy from me. Like they're just not right. Um, I can't remember if I told this story, but there was like an equine dentist that worked on a horse. Um, and she was holding a lot of grief. The horse was holding a lot of grief in her body. She was holding a lot of like really just kind of negative, heavy stuff going on. And the person told me that the last time that she had her teeth done, the person wasn't right, but she did her teeth anyway. And then I think like a couple of days later committed suicide and the horse literally like felt that energy and was holding on to that. And I was like, wow, could you imagine as a horse knowing how someone feels like knowing that this person is at the end of their energetic rope and working on them anyway and like feeling obligated to do that anyway and not being able to tell anyone not being able to be like hey this person that's working on my teeth is not right like the horse couldn't say anything about that so she harbored that energy and that's why I think it's just really important and what I've really been trying to focus on too and admire about um like Lockie especially he is like such a good like he's like he even has like a disclaimer in his messages that is like if I don't show up for your session after five minutes, you can assume that something happened, like that I have an emergency or like it's not energetically aligned. And I'm like, good for you, man. Like you just, that's like these very clear, but I, I do think that owners need to have empathy for body workers and for professionals who need to reschedule. But then also, um, for professionals to just know where they're at. And I remember just being in my schedule, like guilting myself for being like, um, this schedule was booked three weeks in advance or, or a month in advance or whatever. This person is really, really looking forward to this session. I don't know where I'm going to put them. I have everything else booked out. I cannot schedule this. And then that, or I cannot reschedule this. And the session would not end up that great. You know what I mean? Like when I was doing that, because I just didn't have the energy to give. So now I just am honest with people. And I'm like, I just don't think I have like the energy, the energy right now. And almost everyone, actually everyone that I've said that to has been extremely understanding, like usually an owner or a person who's even looking forward to an appointment understands that. And I feel like this kind of ties into like being nice to our vets, right? And just being understanding of like their energetic capacity and what they go through and like everything that they harbor inside of them. Because I feel like there is, I don't see it so much more, so much now, like in my little bubble, my little circle. Um, was that Rocco agreeing with me? Um, I like don't see it so much now, but in the past, before I started really just developing empathy for others and stuff, I would see people around me 
really talking shit about their vets about like missing things or not doing a good job or this and that and it's like everybody's doing the best they can and I think it's so important to have like compassion for your professionals that's a little bit of a squirrel but very valid yeah and I think that's the conditioning right like where we don't if I'm speaking from like a horse owner side going do you as a horse owner and a normal everyday human being, (laughs) um, take the time for yourself? Or do you have beliefs around self-care? Do you have beliefs around, you know, um, what that is to do? And if you have beliefs that that is selfish or that is wrong, or that's unprofessional, then you're not going to have empathy for anyone that you're dealing with. Right. So I don't know. I always invite people, if you're having a strong reaction or response to something that's going on in your life, then, um, it's usually something that you can sort out on your own without involving the other person. <laughs> so if you're having those big stories about your uh, equine professionals that you're, um, hiring, then it's probably something you need to look at. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably you. <laughs> so, okay. No, we're kind of at the end of our episode, but I do have a one more thing to add that I'm curious what your um, perception is on this. So I feel like I used to be, and this kind of ties into the empathy piece and not growing up with a mom who has a lot of empathy for others. I used to be one of those people, like we see it in memes and everything where people are like, oh, animals, I can hang out with them all day long, but human energy, yuck, gross. Like they have all this stuff going on with them and I don't do the, the, the. And I used to say that about like energy being invited into my space. Like, oh, I only talk to animals. Like humans are too complicated. I don't want that energy. But I'm especially been thinking about this a lot after we talked with Carrie Lake, where I'm just like constantly reminded that we are all connected. And like, there's a reason why people are like, these are my sisters and my brothers. And like, you can feel so connected to other people that when you have that mindset of like, oh, I just want to stay with my animals, not people. People are gross. People are complicated that is like a whole freaking thing in itself, right? Yeah, I feel like, you know, then why, um, why are you drawn to the animals instead of the people? And I almost sometimes feel like because you get to just impose your (laughs) everything on your animals, and most of the time, they're not going to speak up about it, where if you did that with one of your friends, or, you know, the lady working behind the register at Target, you know, they would have an opinion about that where animals, you know, we've done an episode about how dismissed they usually are when they do express. And so I feel like while I can definitely remember a time where my entire, the entire first part of my career was I'm a horse trainer. I don't really like the people. And I knew I knew it was the people's fault that the horses were fucked up and I was just sort of annoyed at it. Um, but then I, if I did, yeah. And if I, (laughs) I said, she put that in quotes for those who are not looking at the video. (laughs) Um, and it was really like, when I say, if you're having that conversation to look at your own stuff, it's because I never learned how to connect with people. You know what I mean? Like, when I was little, there was always chaos and I was always running outside to go connect with the chickens and the dogs. And I lived in the backyard, you know? And so it, of course it was easier for me to connect with them. You know what I mean? I don't even think I identified as a human. I mean, I barely do now, but it was like, 
that entire conversation that was always being had, there was a reason for it, right? So I think yes. And I think it's it's like twofold, right? Most of the horses that probably I worked with back then would have like slapped me across the face and been like, hey, <laughs> if they could talk or if I was willing to listen. And I and I go back into I had uploaded a video, a couple of videos for people in a YouTube channel that I don't use because I was scared I was gonna get copyright infringements and I didn't want to block my regular ones. And um, and I had videos of me writing nine years ago. I was at one, I was actually really pregnant. And I was just watching my horse gape his mouth and spin his tail. And it was because I was trying to get this exercise done for this like certification program I was going through. And I watched it for probably about like 11 seconds. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that was just nine years ago. I've been training since 2004. Like God knows what it looked before that. Cause I feel like I could actually ride much better then. And still that's what I was getting. You know, it was nine years ago, not that long ago. So I look back and I'm like, gosh, <laughs> like, yeah, no wonder I thought humor or horses were better because they weren't actually yelling at me. If I ever treated a person like that, I don't think that it would have gone very well. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. I feel like I've had that like lesson in my marriage too, where my husband's like, don't be a dick. Like you wouldn't say this to somebody like out on the street. And I'm like, you're right. You're right. Thanks for checking me. But luckily I'm like married to someone who is willing to be like, whoa, 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 <laughs> what are you doing? Um, cause I feel like we do that to the people closest to us too. Like, I feel like sometimes my friends will be like, all right, you're getting a little crazy. I am just like a loud person who is very blunt too. And, and I feel like I am someone who uses humor or like, or maybe like picking on someone to like mask the way I really feel about something, you know? So I would rather just like say a little cheeky comment or like something rude or something instead of like actually vocalizing an emotion that I feel. And it's so funny because as I'm like going through this self-growth period, I have these friends that are like changing my little phrases and being like, don't say that, like, don't do that to me. And they're like setting up their little boundaries. And it's kind of cool to watch like how you do the inner work, like the people around you start like doing their own inner work. And um, I've had to kind of, yeah, become more like emotionally available. <laughs> <laughs> so gross. <laughs> so funny. Well, thanks uh, for listening, guys. I think that's might be all we have to say. <laughs> I don't even know how long we went for. It felt good. Felt good. Felt good. Um, yeah, this is our awkward ending because you couldn't have an episode unless we had an awkward ending. But also, <laughs> don't forget to sign up for Shaylee and Amber's Tea House because we have some really exciting guests coming on that we only release in our membership at first. Um, we still haven't decided how long we're going to hold on to these little gems, maybe a few <laughs> months or something until we're like, oh, we really don't want to record a podcast this week. And that's my, that might be when you get, <laughs> get your guest podcast. Let's keep it real. Yeah. I mean, that's probably when that's going to happen um, when it feels right. And, um, but yeah, we're doing lots of cool stuff in there. And I think we're starting to think about doing our first workshop. And the only way you get to do those live is if you're in the membership with us. So we'll put the link in the show notes and follow us on all the places, Instagram and Facebook. And 
that's it. I'll see you guys next week.